money got Changing clothes Do I got drunk? Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to this episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. As always, thank you everybody for the downloads of the podcast, participating on the Facebook group. As always, we appreciate that, and we're glad you are here and listening and, and taking part with me, as always, is Jason. What's going on, man? Hey, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. Kwanzaa, Boxing yeah. Day, whatever it is, man. <laughs> <coughs> yep. So how are you doing? How are now? you? I'm good. I'm good. It's very cold here now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cold in Ohio as well, too. Now we've been getting a little snow off and on. So it looks a lot like Christmas. Yeah, it does. We've just got a light dusting, if even that. So... So, uh, we got a theme today. We have a theme today. This is our holiday episode. I think we have a good Christmas or holiday gift for all of you, our listeners. Um, I think it goes to the history of Southern rock and blues, both from musically and also leading up to our podcast. So what do you think? Oh, I have to agree. And so, we have chatted about this, and we're going to talk about uh the black crow's impact on our you know everything we're doing here our love of this kind of music and uh you know another podcast that that kind of got us to uh motivated us to do this and got us where we are so um just talking about the crows you know i this morning i just went do you know you know surfing the facebook and you know, the video for Thorn of My Pride comes on, and I'd been thinking the last couple of days, as as it does coming back into my mind, you know, very often is like, you know, what I see is the perfection of the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. It's just one of those epic records that just from front to back, is it's just one uh, continuous piece of just, just, you know, epic, heavenly, angelic music. Well, it's one of the greatest rock albums of all time too not just in this specific genre but front to back first song to last song greatest rock albums ever and you know um that influenced me and a lot of my tastes like the band the black crows did and kind of got me to where i am now out of my hard rock heavy metal phase into more of this blues based style style rock i mean how about you i know you're a big metal heavy hard rock guy yeah you know yeah, I mean, the first, my first band that, you know, I, I should go for as far back as the first record I ever got. And when I started listening to, to music, you know, vinyl was still, you know, there and present at that time in a major way. First record I ever bought was Kiss Alive 2. And then later on, my teenage years, it was like, I liked Rat, you know. Yeah. Everybody and, likes Rat. Come on. That's, that's, yeah. you should. <laughs> 
so well, the, but the one thing that I look back on that I learned is that I think the way they presented themselves, the way they looked, you know, was was you know that's what a band is supposed to, you know, it, 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 they're supposed to like exude that kind of like image or not not, not, not like not like the you know the the all dressed up image of that time, but just the you know the lead you know one singer, two guitar players, bass player, yeah. drummer, which obviously they're borrowing from Aerosmith, who was borrowing from the Stones and. And I think I'm, I'm like thinking about the wanted man video and you know, they're riding on horses and all that dressed like cowboys yeah. and stuff. And then, uh, you know, later on, then in 86, I fell in love with Tesla. Yeah. So that got me closer to this more, you know, organic blues based yeah. guys that just look like guys, you know, which was so refreshing then. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, uh, at the turn of the you know the beginning of the 90s and shortly thereafter it just you know it all it all changed for me you know um i you know that's when i met a couple of you know friends of mine that were so close to this day that you know listened to the rolling stones and the almond brothers and i was presented with you know the black crows because on shake your money maker i just to me at that time i was still it's, you know, so entrenched in kind of a lot of the metal stuff. And they just seem to me like, well, this just kind of sounds like the Georgia Satellites, which, you know, back in 87, I really yeah. was like, you know, what the, what's this, what's this hillbilly music? What is this? You know, <laughs> I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, so with the Southern Harmony coming out, um, a friend of mine had said that it kind of reminded him of Exile on Main Street because of the way the record flows. It's not as long as Exile, but, <clears throat> you know, it has that, that, you know, kicking off with Sting Me into Remedy, and then it kind of slows down with, mm -hmm. with Thorn of My Pride, you know, and then, you know, and then uh, Bad Luck Blue Eyes Goodbye, and then it kind of picks up a little bit again on on uh, Sometimes Salvation. And then side two, with Hotel Illness, to me, I always looked at that song as like, sitting up in bed at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning after a Saturday night when you're 21, you know, like, <laughs> this room smells like hotel illness, you know, right. and, and, and you just kind of like, you know, and in those days you recover so fast and then, you know, the next thing is starting or whatever. And, and that's the way that record goes. And it just picks up, picks up that steam and like, you know, you just got that, that hope, you know, I, I'm, I'm sounding a little heavy here, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> like uh black moon creeping is almost like you know like what would you do last night what'd you do you know <laughs> and then you know uh no speak no slave and my morning song is just yep. it's it's just absolutely rock and roll at its finest those two yep. songs my morning song might be my favorite black crows song of all time it's it varies sometimes day to day but it's definitely my top three i yeah. uh, just i mean <laughs> That song, that song live is. If you ask me, what what is a Black Crow's live experience or going to a concert is like, the live version of that song is exactly what a Black Crow's concert experience is like. The the highs, the lows, the jamming, like it's all that song. That song played live is like just it is the the the, the live experience for those guys and it's, rock and roll. Yeah, and it's a very, it's almost like tent revival kind of, <clears throat> kind of song, you know, the build up to that, and then yeah, that part of that before they come back into the chorus, you know, it's just very, just almost spiritual, I guess, you know. Um, 
But yeah, oh, sure. that just they they changed my world musically and just got me more into, you know, I start looking back, you start tracing the roots and you get into the Stones and the Allman Brothers, and then you trace that farther down and you get to blues. And, you know, I owe a lot of that to the to the Crows, you know. And then, you know, specifically that record started, you know, uh, you know, three, that being the first and then the next two, like this is three record stand that's just, you know, amazing yeah yeah i started so very similar story with you kind of how i got to where i am with music and everything is definitely into the metal and hard rock and stuff younger ages and then the black crows i mean i I started with the shake your money maker album that was like my first i really got into them there but hearing what i hear then and now is like i always liked more blues based um even the hard rock stuff like you with tesla with the rat i mean you know um way cool jr is like a is a blues song you know like right. that, if you listen to that that's that's a blues song uh tesla has we're no good together mm-hmm. which is a blues really kind of a little bit of blues ballad jam um big fan of aerosmith growing up love led zeppelin again you know blues based stuff so um this was like really a transition out of like the heavy metal hard rock which i still like and always did into this that band and that genre of music really becoming my favorite and then kind of like you is like leading me into listen because of what they played or what they covered like the stones um little feet the almond brothers band led me to a lot of different free um a lot of different music that i really love to this date and also kind of helped shape what we're doing here on this podcast or what we're trying to promote with both the older stuff and the newer, uh, newer generation bands coming out kind of in that same vein. Uh, during the, you know, in 2010, when, you know, Chris did the tall tales sessions for those little clips. Um, and he meant when he was on the part about Southern harmony, he talked about, he said, when I listen to that record, you know, I hear Grant Parsons, I hear the band, I hear little feet, I hear Leon Russell. And it's, kind of interesting to kind of like try to look at it from that perspective because i just i hear the black crows you know oh uh, you yeah. know the, you know that <laughs> that record they went from from shake your money maker which you know always got compared to the stones and the faces that they just made this just huge monumental jump this all this growth that they had had and you know at that time i never really you know i hadn't listened to much little feet or grand parsons or the band or leon russell you know and so now I try to, I try to, you know, like be more aware of that when I, when I hear, when I hear that record and, you know, you know, knowing that since 2005 and six that, you know, obviously with Ed no longer with us and, you know, obviously we'll never get a Black Crows with Gorman and probably not with Mark, you know, it's, it, it it's almost kind of like tough, almost like kind of like a, a, like a, just like a postmortem or a, you know, just a kind of uh, grieving kind of thing, where I don't necessarily go to that that much. You know, I've, I, yeah. I, it doesn't for some reason it doesn't affect me as much if I'm going to listen to America or Three Snakes. But with the Southern Harmony, to me nowadays, it almost has to be like a special occasion kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, even like although with like the Stones and Exile on Main Street, I can just kind of listen to that whenever because i wasn't present like when with you know know, i'm sure there are some stones purists that will say you know well once mick taylor was out i'm (laughs) you know i'm not you know gonna listen to them anymore devotion if they say right 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 you know i mean so i don't it doesn't really 
with Exile, it doesn't really affect me as much. But with the Southern Harmony, it's almost like something that going way back to that time and moving forward, I could listen to it almost any time. And nowadays, it's like, this has got to be something I'm going to put on. You know, and I don't have it on vinyl yet. And maybe that's part of it. I'm maybe waiting to get the vinyl where I can listen on listen, listen to it on vinyl and have it for like these really special occasions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of before we get into our guests and all that, we're kind of talking about how the Black Crows influenced us musically and also on, you know, to do a podcast to talk about Southern rock and blues based music. Um, you know, I, I'm. I almost would rather the Robinson brothers go out now as the Robinson brothers or something like that. And not the black crows because with Gorman not doing it anymore, you know, the core three, uh, the Holy Trinity there of the black crows band members, we know we'll never get Mark back. Ed's dead. Like they're never going to have that level of musicianship or, you know, musical camaraderie in the band. Again, I would be completely cool if they go as the Robinson brothers or, Brothers of a Feather, whatever they want to call it, do Black Crow songs with hired gun musicians and do it. It's not going to take away me enjoying that music. I just think it's almost wrong at this point to do the Black Crows, and I just let it maybe just let it die. I don't know. Yeah. That might be controversial. Yeah, yeah. I I tend to agree with that. Um, so getting into uh, getting into our guests and and first talking about what motivated me to start this this podcast and i don't know if i had been thinking about it before i heard their podcast but uh our guests from the state of Mamorca, ian and david uh you guys will hear them soon um that really did motivate me to go hey you know maybe i could do something like this because i had been thinking about it you know and i think there's such a as much as I understand most of the bands we like have no interest in being on, on FM radio, I just think it's just, I have just such a disdain for FM radio these days oh, sure. um, uh, for how corporate it's become and how much of a niche market has become. Um, I was talking to uh, the other day to a uh, future guest that we'll have and gentleman that goes way back and we were talking about you know, the way it was in the 70s where DJs could play what they wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And a lot of songs became hits from flipping the records over, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just, you know, there's this great music, you know, especially with Blackberry Smoke. I think those songs should be all over FM radio. But reading an interview with Charlie Starr, reading an interview with Brett Turner, they're like, you know, as far as they're concerned, as far as their fans are concerned, you know, like we don't really care if, you know, FM yeah. radio has anything to do with it or not because it's just gotten to be this automated you know people in the music business that have never written a song or played an instrument instrument don't know anything about music are just picking things because you know it doesn't matter to them they could be selling you know candy bars or toilet paper or whatever it's just a it's just something they're selling you know there's no interest in the artistic integrity of it i mean sure on classic rock radio you're gonna hear all the great songs from right Skinner and Bob Seger, Tom Petty, and all the Brothers. same 30 songs, songs though, ad nauseum. You know, right, yeah, yeah. So, it, granted, we do still get to hear artists that once they got successful in their careers, they were calling the shots. You know, it's still, you know, I just look back on it and I think, like, how, mu- how much good music was either independent or people playing in the garage or whatever that just never made it onto FM radio. And we were really presented with 
not a whole lot of options, you know? Yeah. So that's, I, you know, I just thought, you know, like there's, you know, such a, you know, and I know people that don't even know who Blackberry Smoke is. No, I can probably understand, enjoy like, them, right? Yeah. Like people would actually like that band. I can understand where people haven't heard of some of the our younger friends, you know, but right. I mean, when you don't know who Blackberry Smoke is, it's just I'm like completely taken aback about that. So, so when when I first started listening to the State of America, I'm like, hey, you know, I I can I can do something like this, and um, I just had to overcome the fear and 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 talking on the phone with David, you know, he really kind of continued to encourage me, and he would send me messages, hey, how how are you coming along with that project? I'm like. Well, you know, I'm still trying to push through the fear and all that, but I'm certainly glad like he was there to continue to talk to me and, and encourage yeah. me. And, I'm, I'm, you know, and of course, you know, that's how I, you know, ended up meeting you and getting you on the show was through those guys. And you were on the By Your Side episode. Yeah, no, for sure. Like David and Ian are really good guys. So, that you know, for those of you who are listening who don't know who we're talking about, um, Ian Rice, and David Hudson, who run the State of America podcast, which is devoted to the Black Crows. Um, man, they're really good. It's a great podcast. They are extremely good at what they do. Um, nice guys, like Brian saying, encouraging you to go out and, and do the same thing. Heck, when I was on that, you know, I was on that By Your Side album episode, um, they were just asking fans of the Black Crows to come on and do stuff. They didn't know me from anybody else. And they got a lot of fan engagement and enthusiasm back about the Black Crows to do things. It's a it's a um, it's a podcast for fans of music and fans of the Black Crows and encourage people to do that. So they had me on and kind of like with you, they encouraged me like, man, you know, you sh- you'd be good. You go out and do your own podcast. You'd be really good at it. You should think about that. And I appreciate when, you know, their encouragement of you to do your own. And then when you're looking for a new co-host, uh, throw my name in, in the ring for you and. And kind of get picked up on the show here. So good dudes, good podcast. And like, um, man, they're just very helpful to other, everybody else. It's it's all about family, family liking the same music, I think. <laughs> yeah, we're almost like a, you know, a TV show spinoff of those guys. And in <laughs> we, some we way, are. I think you know, are. I mean, because you were on their show and, and, you know, I haven't been on there yet, but just we'll the fact that I, I had been talking to those guys and whatnot. So it's really, they... They really are a pretty big part of this, you know, happening. Yeah. Yeah. And they both do their own independent um, music podcast, too. Like I was on David's um, Digital Kill the Radio Star episode, too, to talk about Oasis, the Master Plan album, which was good. So I've had a really good opportunity to kind of develop a friendship with both of those guys, which um, was helpful when we had them come on, on as guests to talk about their podcast, talk a little bit about the Crows influence on Southern rock and rock in general and just uh, shoot the shit with them. For, it was, like, it was like, like hanging out with old friends, don't you think? It certainly was a blast, man. And, you know, we're this could be our longest intro of all time. We're almost getting on <laughs> 20 minutes. So I think uh, everybody is ready to listen to, you know, our our really fun chat with Ian and David from the state of America. So everybody stay tuned. You're going to hear that next. <laughs>
Welcome back to this uh, very special episode of the State of All Things America Blues and Southern Rock. As you know, we told you in the intro <laughs> who's here, but Jason, uh, as always, wants you to introduce our uh, extravaganza guests here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to introduce two dudes who I consider my friends who helped me get into podcasting. I think Brian probably inspired you a little bit to do what we're doing who have the number one Black Crows podcast and one of the best all-around music podcasts. We have the hosts and founders of the State of America, David Hudson and Eden Rice. Guys, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> I got the point from David. We can't see the point on the podcast, dude. <laughs> hey. oh, how's it going, guys? We like to raise our hands when we're. <laughs> That's right. We have a, we have a system where so we don't talk over each other. We raise our hands, and we have to make sure we tell our guests that because they start calling on us if we don't. <laughs> we're pointers. Yes. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for being on here. I can't say enough of how much you guys influenced me to start this. I don't recall if I had the idea beforehand or not, but you know, once I was listening to you guys, I'm like, hey, like I could probably do something like this. And specifically with David for two reasons. One, like it was months before I started this and we talked on the phone and and uh, and several times after a few times after that, you would like, you know, send me a message. Hey, how are you going? How are you doing with that? How are you coming along? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still pushing over that wall of fear, you know. And then also, you know, when I was looking for a new co-host, I mean, you immediately uh, recommended recommended Jason, who that's uh, just Thank you so much. That's obviously an awesome uh, choice. So thank you guys. And, uh, you know, we'll just let you guys roll and uh, <laughs> tell the listeners about uh, your podcast and where it's been and where you think it's going to go. And just uh, go ahead. <laughs> Someone's at my front door. If you guys heard that, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the uh, the State of America podcast really started with uh david it was really his idea to start i was a guest on his uh first podcast digital killed the radio star and we did an episode about the black crows record three snakes and one charm which is my favorite black crows record and uh and we had such a good time doing that david you know suggested that we kind of go full throttle with it and we haven't looked back since right david that's right yeah, when I when I started Digital Kill the Radio Star, which is just kind of, it's a general music podcast. My college friend Chris Craig has it with me, and we may talk about the Sex Pistols one day. We may talk about Metallica. We may talk about Johnny Cash. We may talk about Megadeth. It's everything in between uh, because that's mine and his taste are pretty much all over the place. But um, in the back of my mind, the whole time Digital Kill the Radio Star, I was kind of, that was kind of like training. I knew I wanted to do a Black Crows podcast, but I didn't want to jump into it with experience. And then I went on, I think it was a true fans of the Magpie board and said something like, hey, does anybody want to come on my podcast talk about the Black Crows? And three people that I had on, and they all did a really, really good job. And in my head, I was just kind of auditioning people. And so Ian's was just, everybody was good, but Ian's was just that much better. And just kind of from communicating with him, I think we kind of see the world the same way for the most part. We kind of see music the same way. And uh, it took us a couple of months to get it off the ground. And I think Ian was a little apprehensive at first. But uh, I think after that first episode, because originally we were going to do one a month. 
That's all it was going to be. And after the first episode, Ian's like, uh, we need to do it more than once a month. And so <laughs> I, I, I can't even begin to describe to you how it's taken off. And it, it, it blows he and I away. Uh, and we do, you know, Black Crows fans, you know, I always say we're a, we're a loathsome bunch. And we, uh, <laughs> you know, we all like to rip each other apart and rip the band apart or whatever. But we have tried our best to stay away from all of that. Uh, honestly, I could care less if Chris and Rich like each other, if they beat each other up every day. It's the music they put out that obviously means something to all of us, or else we wouldn't be doing this podcast. And so our, our focus has always been on the music and not the personal dynamics. And so we try not... Now, if we have somebody on and they go there, we're not going to stop them. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it's it's been extremely positive. And I think that's one of the reasons we've been able to get some of the guests that we've gotten. Yeah, and I was going to say the same thing. I think because you guys are really respectful, you don't get in a lot of the mudslinging or the rumors and things. You keep it about the music and the pieces. I think you have a lot of respect, not probably just from the band, but from some of the other artists that you have um, that have been in the orbit of the band. And you've got a couple pretty big names that come on the show outside the Black Rose universe and the Southern Rock universe, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, we had our big, biggest guests that we had outside of, you know, the the core black crows kind of universe was susan tedeschi and uh, charlie star uh both wonderful people and, and very very gracious with their time and you know and especially susan tedeschi she was a, such a lovely person <laughs> that's one of the highlights of of what we've done is you know interviewing her and uh yeah as it rolls along the more people we have on the more the the easier it becomes to get additional people after that yeah, for sure. I know. I, you know, and you, you've had Gorman on, Steve Gorman, it was well as kind of the actual key member, founding member of the Black Crows as well, too. And hopefully in the future, your guys are able, because with your professionalism and enthusiasm and everything else, get a chance to bring in more members of the actual actual band. Steve mm-hmm. Gorman is an interesting story how all that happened. Um, obviously, uh, a Black Crows podcast, you would think it would be like shooting fish in a barrel to get, you know, Steve Gorman come on writing a book, you know, about the Black Crows. So I had, like, sent him a direct message, probably, like, in July, I guess, you know, when his, right before his book was going to come out. And I didn't get anything back from him. <clears throat> and so Ian and I came up with this plan. Let's ask everybody to do hashtag get Steve on America and just bombard his Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> And so I'll never forget this. Like it, I, it was a day off. It was, and, and my wife needed me to go do something. So I got up and went to the store at like 6 a.m. And I'm getting ready to walk in and I get a message. You have a direct message from Steve Gorman. And like my heart about stopped. And it was like, it, it was him. You know, And you know how he his, he's such a funny guy. He goes, hey, uh, that was a pretty good way to get my attention. He goes, I'd be <laughs> glad to come on. Let's circle back in a month. And so uh, I said, sure. So I didn't follow up on that i figured let him you know i don't want to bother him and so one day i'm just sitting there watching tv and i get this message he says hey you guys want to do this this weekend and so he came on and he didn't give us a time he said when we said how long can you give us he goes just hit record and uh the cool thing was right before he came on he said guys you can ask me anything and uh so but we didn't go negative on that right um at the end because it, it, it could have been better timing. We interviewed him on that Saturday before they announced on Howard Stern. And so we dropped at like 7 a.m. And at 8 a.m. they announced 
that they're going to. And so I was off that day and the next day and I was sitting there watching TV and a friend of mine sends me a text. He goes, have you seen the Rolling Stone website? And I'm like, no, he said, you need to go to it. And there's a link to an article about Gorman being on our podcast. And then I get a message. Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys are on Blabbermouth. And then this guy says, I'm on, I'm in Seattle, Washington. They're talking about your Gorman interview on the, the rock radio station. Wow. <laughs> and then I get a message that we're in variety. So my wife took all the clippings out and made a hardbound book for me and Ian. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. With, yeah. with all of that. And let me tell you this though. I, I'm not going to go into specifics, but Steve Gorman is a class act in every shape, form and fashion. Um, that's, uh, he's just, he's a good dude and I think his heart's in the right place and you'll never hear me, me or Ian say anything remotely negative about him. No, I was, I was glad I got to ask that burning question I've had for years. Do I do Rich and Chris fight a lot? <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because you were like Chris Farley in the Chris Farley show ske- sketch. Hey, Paul McCartney, remember when you were in the Beatles? That was awesome. <laughs> Well, 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 I'll tell you what, I didn't pick up on it when we interviewed him, but I went back and listened to it a couple of months ago. Ian and I asked him about specific songs, songs that are kind of, quote unquote, controversial amongst the fan yeah. base. So Ian goes, let me ask you one about uh, from Before the Frost. He goes, throw a dart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great when the, you know your guests can be that honest, especially when it's with a band that you love so much to the fact that you actually do have a podcast about it, too. I know one of the songs you guys asked about was on the By Your Side record. I think was it Go Tell the Congregation or Diamond Ring or was it both? It was Diamond Ring. Diamond Ring. Because we were not doing video with he I don't know if he could see us or not. He he okay. when he called in his video wasn't on. But uh oh and we turned our video off because Ian was having bandwidth issues. So we were trying to like conserve bandwidth. But uh, he goes he talked about Diamond Ring and I was like, Oh like this was me, oh you know, put my hand <laughs> He liked it. You guys thought he wasn't going to like it, but he liked it. He he really complimented Sven's playing on that one and said, you know, that was some of Sven's best work. Well, we kind of crapped all over it because when you guys do your album reviews, you had me on as a guest for the By Your Side album, which is an album I like a lot. Don't like that song, but I I like that album. So it was kind of it was kind of funny to hear his impression of it. And we went and and chat all over it. So, oops. (laughs) So do we all want to go around and, uh, you know, obviously the Black Rose is a great place to start. That's why we're all here and doing this, like just kind of try to give a maybe semi brief, uh, you know, tell the listeners how we all got into the band. Um, I can start and we can just go from there. So I never really got into the Crows on Shake Your Moneymaker because to me it was just like, well, those guys are like the Georgia satellites. And I was still had you know, pretty good foothold in metal and some of the L.A., you know, glam metal stuff. And uh, when the Southern Harmony Musical Companion came out, that's that's what really got me. And a good couple good friends of mine were huge Rolling Stones fans, and they were like, well, Southern Harmony is kind of like Exile on Main Street. It's got a flow to it, and we drove around and listened to it and whatnot. And uh, so that's a really, really got me into them and but it also for whatever reason my biggest regret that i have is i could have been at the opening night of the high as the moon tour in minneapolis and for some reason i didn't go and i Ah. just look back on it go well there must have been some reason why 
I just wasn't quite there yet. But I did. My first show was uh, opening night of America or Bust in St. Paul. So, but uh, that's you know that's that's kind of a you know basic uh, basic little story about how I got into them and little later on did some tape trading. But by that time, uh, Oddly and Sven were in the band. So, but I'd uh, be interested to hear uh, how you guys. Uh, all got into them at the start. Whoever, whoever wants to go, go ahead. Well, uh, I mean, I, I was probably about uh, eleven or twelve when Southern Harmony came out, and that's I, I had bought the uh, the Remedy single, and I liked that and everything. But I really went all in on the Black Crows when, on a whim, I bought Three Snakes and One Charm because I knew of the band and I liked the cover. So, um, and I just, I listening to that, I you know, what is this? This is fantastic. I, I, it's still one of the greatest records I I've ever heard. And I just, um, you know, I was like a full blown black crows, you know, psychopath Junkie. after that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that your favorite record then? I think I remember one of the podcasts you guys talked through him is three snakes. still your, your favorite of the, of the black crows. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my the, the your favorite album is Rich Robinson. <laughs> yes, let's not bring that up. But <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll, I'll say this: you guys did a really, really excellent podcast on your podcast about Rich Robinson and that album and stuff. And people should go back and listen to it. I think it's really poignant. It's really good. And don't not listen to it because it's not the Black Crows. It is a good episode. Go listen to it, guys. Don't miss it. This is why we're friends, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I know your feeling about that episode. I'm helping you out. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, I, I got a question too about the cover of that album. Is the cover of the album is that supposed to look like an insert to a 45? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because that's exactly what it looks like, right? And I, you yeah. know what? I was probably I'm 45 now. I was probably 44 when I realized that. So <laughs> stupid me. <laughs> well, if you if you get the because um, it was released. Sort of on vinyl when it first came out, but it was a it was a box set of seven inch, you know, it was forty fives basically. The entire yeah. album was all on forty fives, no and kidding. they give you they give you an adapter, and the adapter looks just like the cover, you know. No kidding. See, yeah. you three guys are all so good, like music knowledge. I thought I was good. You guys like kill it. I just I'm just here for <laughs> chuckles at this point. My knowledge <laughs> is crap. <laughs> One of our listeners just sent it to me. He was really? like, "Hey, I don't have any use for it. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like. Can I pay you for it? He said no. I mean, it's it goes for a pretty penny. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it right now. Yeah, it's just a bo- it's a box with like huh. every you know a 45, and it has a poster, a really bizarre poster. It's I think it's Chris is sitting in the middle like cross legged, and he's got his hands out and he's holding everybody else's head. He's got like six arms or something. It's really a bizarre poster. It's hard to believe they were all on drugs to make that album. Yeah. Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> did y'all did y'all know that when they were filming that the people from uh, recording it the people filming the video and everything was uh brit turner and his brother yeah uh, brian yeah. told me that like yeah. right brian was that you that told me that yeah or is that hudson did you somebody somebody one of you guys told me that well i didn't know about it brit told us about it when we when we had him on the podcast i was like oh, right I had no idea well i found out because we had on um, the first guest we ever had in the second episode was joseph winters the drummer for the steepwater band and he you know mark ford produced one of their records and so mark had told them some stories you know that some of which i can't repeat <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah no uh, uh Britt and richard were working for those guys and during those three snake sessions 
doing whatever needed to be you, done. Well, Brian, I think it was you now. We were talking about this, I think, b- before or after one of our podcasts. They were runners or errand boys for whatever the band needed, and we didn't go into major details on that. They actually go back to before Shake Your Moneymaker. Oh, yeah. yeah. They go back yeah. to the Mr. Crow's Garden days. I mean, uh, Britt and Richard were in a band called Nihilist. They were like, and they opened up for like, testament and slayer and stuff when they'd come through atlanta wow they, like they had that kind of a band yeah and then and i think um, when when gorman before he did the book and he was working on the book and then him and his cousin and i think one of the producers for steve gorman sports they did like two or three episodes of this podcast of tripod tripod and he's like well you know email us some questions da 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 so I emailed him a question about, you know, talking about camaraderie between the Crows and Blackberry Smoke, and he answered it on there. And he said that, that Britt and Richard used to run a rehearsal space. Now, I'm not quite sure what at what time that was in the Black Crows history, but I, I do know those guys, you know, uh, you know, well, like Britt said, he saw those guys at the White Dot in Atlanta, you know, when they were still Mr. Crow's Garden, so... Well, three snakes and one charm. So when I was on your podcast, I called it three snakes and a charm, and I got hate mail about that on Facebook and through Twitter. So I do it all the, the time. Audience. Did you really? <laughs> not. I got corrected. Not really hate mail. It was corrected, but uh, yes, three snakes and one charm is a good album, but it's no ceaseless sight. Oh, you! I know you're gonna have a big Christmas gift coming your way. I'm just waiting for you guys to put the Nucci Space stuff up, and we'll talk about the auction and do some promotion later. But I'm waiting because there's one thing that's I've already declared through social media that that shall be mine. So (laughs) just hold it back for me. Well, I got I got into them. I guess kind of like everybody else did when Shake Your Money Maker came out. I was 14. And uh, at that time, I was into, like, Skid Row and Warrant and yeah. all that kind of Rightfully stuff. Rightfully so. Rightfully and, so. Uh, and they came out, and I was like, oh, this sounds like the Stones, which my, I, I grew up in the Stones household, so I always have, like, this reverence for the Stones. And then Southern Harmony came out. I loved it. And then um, – but I wasn't, like, a diehard fan. In, like, 94 I, was when I went to college, and, man, I got into Widespread Panic, Almond Brothers, P-Funk, just – all this stuff and uh had a morka and three snakes but just listened to it passively and um in 98 for whatever reason i was listening i think to a morka and i was listening to wiser time and it just clicked with me and uh i have been uh that's been the the focus of my musical life ever since for the most part right on right on jason yeah so kind of really brian and david very similar to you guys i was listening to a lot of metal and pop metal and all that you know i was a pretty big hard rock metal head and then when the the shaker moneymaker album came out i think i was a freshman in high school when it came out um it was great it was like a breath of fresh air i I grew up in a household too kind of david like you stones and hendrix and clapton and and it really kind of sounded like the stuff that my parents would play when i was growing up so i recognized it I think I just inherited or just absorbed that. I was like, man, this is good. It's different. It's hard. It's got a rock edge, but it's not like the warrants and skid rows and everything else I'm listening to. So I love the Shake Your Money Maker album. Southern Harmony came out. I dug that. I loved Remedy and some of the other stuff that they were doing. And by the time actually a more could come out, you know, it's it's a it's a all timer album. Right. It's a classic album. But that style of music really wasn't. 
talking to me really well too because i was still into some of the harder rock and stuff so that came out i listened to it a little bit um three snakes and one charm i didn't care for at the time and then the buyer side when that came back out i was out of college and that album came out it was a little heavier a little produced and like it, it spoke to me again so that really so that's how I got in the Crows, and that's how I got back in the Crows. And ever since that album, I've been a hardcore Crows fan. They've been my number one band ever since, what, 98, 99, when that album came out. So how do we all feel about uh, not getting into the controversy what the, this next version of the Crows will is going to be, but just that, the you know, through the years, there's been less of the original lineup. But, you know, I think... For me, like I still, I you know, I still think they're a hell of a band, and love seeing them live. You know, through I've, I've seen. Well, I never saw any Shake Your Money Maker stuff, but seen every lineup since then. So I mean, I really, especially you know, when Luther and Adam came in, you know, specifically with Luther, I thought it totally made sense. You know, um, you know, obviously Mark Ford, he's the guy. Um, when Luther was there, it just it made sense to me like that that was almost something like that needed to happen. And he's he's got that swagger, you know, he totally has that swagger uh, that, you know, the 92 through 97 lineup had, in my opinion. Um, uh, oddly freed, you know, during, you know, the by your side, some of that, you know, the shows, the the it was called sold out. I can't remember. That was the club tour is the one after that. But, um, you know, those settlers weren't quite as varied and. Um, kind of like I still thought it was great, but something seemed like off with the vibe. And then, and then the reunion with you know everyone but Johnny, that was that was great. Um, it's a little weird seeing Paul Stacy and uh, Rob uh-huh. Rob Clarez up there. That was that was kind of. I saw but... Paul and Rob filling in right after um, Eddie and Mark left when they played at Cincinnati. It, it was it was weird. They did a good job holding the fort down, but it was definitely odd. Yeah, I saw them too as well. Um, so then with Jackie, I, I enjoyed Jackie's plan. You know, I mean, he'd probably be maybe third or so. You know, yeah, no, he did a good job. He could sing. I like his solo stuff, but it was an interesting um, add to the band. Oh, for sure. Who wants to go next? What do you guys think what's what's this next iteration look like? Is it going to be the same iteration that was supposed to be out this past summer? What do you guys? What do you guys know? What do you think? Man, uh-oh, uh-oh. perhaps uh, you know some little. I'm not gonna go on record on anything. I'm not going <laughs> on record on anything. I'm gonna very vaguely say that uh, David and Blink I have twice heard, if you uh, don't think that lineup they announced last year is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. We've 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 heard things uh, might be going in a different direction. What direction? Not exactly sure, but. Uh, I actually thought it would have been interesting to see that lineup because that lineup was filled with some really great players. Uh, yeah. Tim LeFabre from uh, um, Tedeschi Trucks Band at one yep. point. Great. Well, go go look at his pedigree. I mean, David oh, Bowie. Yeah. I mean, he's played with everybody. And then um, the guy from Earthless. Uh, I forget, I'm, two guys, right? The keyboard player and the guitarist, right? It was Isaiah Mitchell. Yeah, Isaiah yep. Mitchell. And then the guys from the Once and Future Band. I mean, yep. yeah. people on the message boards made fun of him. Every one of those guys is respected. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. if you if you can play I'm sorry, if you can play for David Bowie, you can play for the Black Crows. Yeah. And I didn't so realize this, this. But, uh, Go ahead, yeah. Ian. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I didn't realize that, that, that Joel Robinow was in the the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. I didn't realize one member of the Brotherhood. Yeah, I think after Adam he did some yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna say something that might be controversial because I really like that guy a lot, but 
I saw As the Crows Fly was, um, when they had Oddly Freed and um, one of my favorite guys that are going on right now. Um, and um, um, I will say that Marcus King, who I love, who I think is one of the best talents out there right now, wasn't a great fit for As the Crows Flies for what they were doing. You know, he's tremendous, but wasn't the right feel. I thought those guys from Earthless, I saw them on the Stern show, listened to them, and then that show they did in New York, thought they were great. I thought it was a good fit. I loved I loved his take on um, She Talks to Angels with that yeah. slide during the, yeah. during the chorus. I, I was really looking forward to it. You listen to some of those Earth. I mean, the guy, can first of all, he can shred. Yeah, I can shred. Uh, but I was really looking forward to hearing his, you know, I'm – I have an open mind about them. I've never heard them play other than the videos. I'm not going to condemn them. I mean, I, I can find, I can find something very positive about every lineup, except I, y'all may disagree. Like I did not like that Jackie green tour. I mean, he, I, I don't think he bothered to learn the songs at one point. They were um, <clears throat> yeah. And it, the set, maybe it's cause the, and I think they were on, they were just coasting. He certainly point. did like uh, quite different versions and the solos, but I think that's kind of what, you know, I read a lot of interviews with bands, and they get a new guitar player, and they say, "Well, dude, to put your own touch on that." But, but yeah, I mean, I think in general, I like them as a guitar player, but it, you know, is he's just yeah, different takes on those songs. That as much as I was okay with it, it wasn't like I said, it's not Mark obviously or Luther. Or... Well, so do you think? So here, I'm gonna throw this out there. Do you think it was Jackie, or do you think the band really was coast and didn't really care? They were unhappy. We know from Gorman's book, and they just didn't really forced Jackie really to do any more than he did. Probably. I, mean, I, I think, uh, I think Jackie is a great player. He's a fine. He's a great player. player. I think I, I, I honestly, from, from what I kind of put together over time is uh, he didn't have a whole ton of time to learn the songs. And, um, as, uh, there's a, there's a, a, a lot of instances where I hear what he plays live on some of those songs. And I think it's really great what he adds. And then there's a lot of times where it's, mm-hmm. He just, it, it's very bizarre to me because he doesn't play anything. Like, instead of playing no. his own thing, he just doesn't, he doesn't jump in. It's pretty I don't generic. Know. Yeah, I think if he, maybe if he'd had more time, it would have, because he's, he, he, he kind of can adapt to that style. Uh, yeah, know, well, that is sort of the style. He does that kind of blues yeah. arm, like, his, his solo stuff is good. I like some, a lot of his solo stuff. I tell you one thing he did bring in the band, though, that was good. His ability to um, harmonize on vocals and sing, I thought, was yes. nice, especially since they got rid of Charity and Moan and a lot of the, the, the gospel background singers, which took a lot away from the band. I thought he was able to help a little bit with that. I agree. That yeah. And that's a, tough, that's a tough spot to be in, man. That's a tough one. Like, I mean, I think we can all agree Marcus King's one of the greatest guitar players on the planet right now. Yeah. And I saw an interview with him saying like he took the gig and then he started to learn the songs and was like, uh oh. Yeah, not this easy. Isn't, this isn't this isn't as easy as it sounds on the radio, you know? And right. I saw the I saw As the Crow Flies and I thought on like the the really, really rocking numbers, they nailed it. Like Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. They opened up with like Remedy and they would play Well they like, had Oddly too, who's like right? Yeah. He's great. yeah. Where I think they stumbled was the jams. Uh, like the wiser time jam, first of all, it went on way too long. Yeah. Um, and, and and the jams, I thought, and and in the set list where there was just three or four songs where they had spots where they would rotate out. But the thing that I enjoyed most about that show was Chris was so enthusiastic. He was happy. 
and it was it was I told my which my wife didn't understand the rest the reference. I said this is seventy two Jagger esque. I mean he mm-hmm. was into it and He's uh, happy. Yeah, I met him. I, that's when I did my meet and greet. Met him before the show. You couldn't have not could not have asked for a nicer nicer yeah. meet and greet. Uh, got a chest bump from Chris Robinson. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, but his enthusiasm and that's one of the things I'm looking forward to with this tour. Is there's two things. One. He has preserved his voice with the CRB. He has put there's been no straining on it. He sounded better in that show than I've heard him in twenty years he did. vocally. And I want Chris Robinson to go back to be the Chris Robinson of ninety one, ninety two on stage. Because you look at those highs the moon sh- shows, I mean that's that's seventy two Jagger. Uh mm-hmm. and, and at times peaking higher than that. I mean, he was a front man of all front men at the time. And I think when he wants to be he can be the best front man walking, walking. The, oh yeah. Walking the face I mean, of the Howard Stern called him that too on the interview. Howard Stern's a big fan of Howard Stern doesn't lie. You know, he's pretty, yeah. brut- he's brutally honest. So I, I agree with that. David, I will say though, that is the one thing I also picked up on when I saw them play. Actually, when I was in Kentucky to go, I live in Ohio. I drove down to Kentucky to see him. Um, he was happy. He was smiling. He was into it. I had not seen that from him in a lot of years. And that really, was impressive and that really helped probably smooth out some of the rougher parts of the music but the show was great it was a lot of fun i had a good good as hell time too. Too watching it. it was it was awesome and there were very large crowds for those shows there were um, yeah. i saw i saw them in new orleans it was probably 1500 people it sold out and when i say it was packed like and first of all new orleans is not the best place to be with, with a packed show general admission show because it's so hot there and humid mm-hmm. um but uh, I, I mean, it was packed, yeah. And people were just having fun. It was a rock show, and you know, I, I say this numerous times on our podcast. At at their base, they're a rock band. Now they, you know, went out in a lot of different directions, but at the heart of it, they're they're a real rock and roll band. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think too is I think Chris probably realized doing that is they were bringing in way more fans than the CRB was. Magpie, Rich Robinson, Solo, too. And, I mean, there's probably a pretty good financial implication. It's like, guys, there's still a huge appetite for it. It doesn't matter who the backup band is. For me to come out and sing these songs, and, and people are going to pay to do it. You know, I think one of the things, uh, going back to Marcus, you know, struggling with some of those solos, is that I saw a rig rundown with him, and he talked about he plays in standard tuning all the time. So you're getting mm-hmm. all those rich songs, and all these different kind of tunings. That's yeah, no like, open tunings. You know, right. Like, wow. You know. Well, Oddly plays in standard, too, and he's not a, a, a sly player either. So that was also part of the problem with that band. You did not have that Rich Robinson who was playing open tunings, whether it's E, F, G, whatever, and doing all the slides. So you really had two similar style guitar players, too. So that didn't help. Right, right. I'm going to get excited about this. Sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love guitar. I love Marcus King. I love Black Rose. Like, I'm, uh, I'm going to shut up for a second. <laughs> now, did, did you guys all see Magpie as well? Because I, I didn't see Magpie. I didn't see As a Crow Flies. Yeah, I saw him. It was amazing. I saw... There um, was nobody there, but it was amazing. Yeah. Well, I saw the Magpie. I, I was lucky enough to see them on the very first night they played where they did the whole tribute to Ed Harsh and... And then went into descending a very very emotional show, very a great show, and I saw him several times after that. It was always a shame to me that they didn't draw more than they did later on. At the beginning, yeah. there was quite a quite a quite a good turnout, but uh, 
I love that band. I love their their two two studio records. You know that first uh, semi live record they put out. It's just every, I thought they were I thought they were great. Oh, they were a great band, and I know I said I was going to shut up, but I lied apparently. So, <laughs> couple, <laughs> poor Brian is like, who does this guy got the co-host? <laughs> he doesn't shut up. Um, one great call on that, Ian. I mean, that's amazing that you're able to be at that show with all that emotion. I watched clips of that show on YouTube, and it made me teary-eyed. I couldn't even imagine what it was like being there in person. And two guys who are people who are listening to this. Um, State of America, these dudes did the best musical tribute and one of the best podcasts I've ever heard in my entire life a couple weeks ago when they did a tribute to Eddie Harsh. Track it down, listen to it. Uh, Ian goes into that story. They've got a lot of people from the Black Crow Circle talk about it. Like, honestly, if there's like a uh, Grammys or Emmys or Oscars of podcasts, I think that episode would absolutely be up there. It was so well done, so emotional. And guys, like, I want to thank you for putting it out there. And any Black Crows fan, I think, would thank you guys for putting it out there as well, too. Why do you think well, that the was... Magpie didn't draw as well? Is because you know you got John Hogg singing Chris songs, you know, because the CRB I think drew well, but that's a whole different thing, and maybe that's it. And as the crow flies, as Chris, you know. So what's what's your take on Magpie not drawing? I really feel like two things hurt the Magpie salute particularly. One is after they after the seventeen tour, which was the the more popular of of the the tours they did. After the 17 tour, they dropped almost all of the Black Crows material from the set list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, there was a couple instances where they went out and opened for, like I saw them uh, in my area opening for a government mule, uh, like the amphitheaters. And I think they needed to do more of that kind of thing to get themselves more exposure. Because I think, I think they were trading too much on the fact that they were members of the black crows and they thought that mm-hmm. that would draw more and not to say that it shouldn't but uh you know a lot of people go to shows i feel based on a name like mm-hmm. uh you know if you th- if you think back um when leonard skinner stopped touring uh, you know after the tragedy that they suffered in the in the late 70s um and they wouldn't tour as leonard skinner and they went out you know they had rossington collins band and things like that but they they eventually went back out as Leonard Skinner because people will say, oh, look, Leonard Skinner, I know them. I've heard them on the radio. I'll go see them. Whereas, you know, uh, Magpie Salute, no one's, it's not easily identifiable with the, with the Black Crows. So there's, there's not that kind of draw as well. And I think they were financially mismanaged. Mm. Um, that's something we've picked up on from, from talking to people. I mean, they went out with a 10 piece band. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, Numerous buses. And it was awesome, though. They were good. Yeah, it was. And, and I think one of the things that happened is they had those first shows in New York, which all sold out. And I think like places like New York, Boston, and Chicago, they did really, really big business. But like I saw them in New Orleans. There's 200 people there, if if that. You know, at the House of Blues, which mm-hmm. holds so much more. And I think they made a huge mistake on that, like Ian said, on that second tour they should have just on the second tour, they should have just opened for people. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you think about all the people that rich is that rich has helped out over the years. You know, obviously I think Warren returned the favor mm-hmm. with having them open for the mule. I think Charlie star returned the favor. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of other bands that, you know, the same situation. And I think they should have spent that summer done a 50, 50 mix of crows slash covers. And, oh yeah. And magpie stuff. Because the Magpie stuff is really, really good. 
and yeah. it's re- and it's not yeah. like the Black Crows, and it and no. it works. And so I think that's where they really messed up. And we we've had numerous people tell us it goes back to the finances. Yeah, um, you know, they, you, obviously when they came back out the second time, it wasn't a ten person band. And right. I, I think they if they would have just adjusted the. I understand why they didn't want to play all that because they're not the Black Crows. But at the same time, you have to understand it would help you know, them. Chris Robinson is very much what more well known than Rich Robinson. So when you right. put out the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, people will know, hey, that was the guy that was married to Kate Hudson. That's the guy that was lead singer of the Black Crows. When you put out Magpie Salute, you have to do some digging around on your own. I mm-hmm. think the people that went all loved it, but you know, it just wasn't enough people coming to the shows for financially for it to work. Yeah, so I saw him, Brian. Brian, I saw him like three times. So I mm-hmm. saw him one time when they were doing their own headlining. I saw him in Cincinnati and Bogarts. There was probably 40 people there. Like, I felt wow. like it was like my own private show. Very disappointing. That was on their with their first album tour with the whole entire band and stuff. Wow. It was great. They did a good job, but there was no support. Man. And then I saw him two other times, both when they, they did uh, support for Blackberry Smoke. There's two shows and... Um, 2018 i think that blackberry smoke and the magpie did silver springs maryland i know because i'm looking at the poster right in front of me right now (laughs) july 22nd in silver springs maryland and july 24th in columbus ohio obviously i went to the columbus ohio show so they supported blackberry smoke there's a lot of people there and then i saw them a couple about a week later when they were on the bill with um um the uh when government mule was out doing the dark side of the mule when they were doing all the pink floyd stuff with the avid brothers and stuff magpie played first they played literally like 20 minutes maybe four songs and that was it they had zero respect there was like 10 people standing around and four of them were with me and my friends and they just i can't explain it like the crows have such a big following that they just didn't get a strong support and i think david you're probably right for the most part people realized they weren't going to play a bunch of crow songs so they quit going even though the magpie stuff is good but Miscal- big time miscalculation by not doing probably a 50 50 split of stuff well like david said you know it would have been great to see them do like a longer leg on on blackberry smoke tour or with oh, the new, great. you know do a whole string of dates but the, the the blackberry smoke thing was i mean that's that's shooting fish in a barrel yeah yeah, yeah. i mean and and obviously the way charlie i mean first of all charlie and them they owe they, they'll tell you they owe a lot you know the, the crows always support they gave them their name for pete's sake right um and I think they have a lot. Whereas I think Blackberry Smoke ventures a little more into the country music than, right. yeah, than the Crows yeah. do. But they both have that jam band aesthetic and mm. kind of come from the same place. Like when they, I, I know, uh, Jason, when you saw them, they did Can't You Hear Me Knocking. I mean, right. you've got Rich Robinson, Charlie Starr, and Mark Ford all on the same stage playing playing a Rolling Stone song, especially one that's that good. I mean, come no on, brainer. Come it's on. awesome. I took my whole family to that show. I've got two teenagers and my wife. I'm like, I'm going to show you guys, my kids, what rock and roll is all about. We went to that show. It was great. And one of the frustrating things, we've been told this on the record and off the record. Um, There was a, that was a musical collective. And people have said that initially there was a very strong brotherhood amongst everybody. And we were told by one member off the record that, that's never going to be repeated what they had on that first tour. And it was such a communal thing and everybody contributed and it really mm-hmm. was all about the music. And if you listen to like, 
like when I saw him, Rich was like, you know, hey, we really appreciate you guys coming out. This is this is really a tribute to, to everything that's come before. And, you know, I mean, he I think Rich gets a bad rap a lot of times with like his stage demeanor. Right. And because, you know, I've heard him say, like, I look like that because I'm the one that's having to direct all the traffic. I'm focusing. <laughs> you know? I'm concentrating. Yeah. yeah. But I felt I'm not, like, not having a good time. But I felt like with this, yes, he was still doing all of that, but he was playing the songs he wanted to play. I mean, when I saw him, they played Don't Wake Me. And he goes, I haven't played this publicly in 25 years. Here we go. Um, you know, so I think they just were having a good time. But I think ultimately the money came into play. And, you know, we're in the situation we're in. Yeah. I lied. I saw him four times. So I saw him again at the Rose Music Center opening up for Government Mule a week before the um, Dark Side of the Mule show. So they played Down by the River by um, Neil Young on that and a couple covers. It was awesome. They were loud as shit. But again, on that show, everybody was out getting beers, filing around, and everybody came in for Government Mule. And it was like me and my friends, my bandmates, were watching that show, too. It's it's really disappointing because they, they are a super good, super talented band to see Rich and Mark on stage and Sven play together. Man, like you can't take that for granted because we probably we're not going to see that ever again, I'm going to guess. And off the record as well, like, I, you know, I've heard some kind of like semi-detailed stuff, but like some of the old things, you know, typical things in the Crows were, were coming back around again, you know without getting into in any specifics because I don't really know, but I blink twice if that's correct, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, so it's like it's like a hostage video over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look like I have uh, you know a, a severe twitch or something all the blink. We don't want to perpetuate rumors or people who may have inside information and ruin those connections. So we're gonna do the visual stuff so your listeners can't see. Can we consider the Black Crows to be a Southern rock band? To me, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, even before before the, before there's Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, there's Mud Crutch, and I've heard read interviews with Tom Petty. That he always, even before they went out to Hollywood, he thought of, of them as a Los Angeles band. Now, I'm not saying that just because of Mark Ford and the Crows, but there seems to be more of a a Woodstock kind of influence, Woodstock, New York, and and in Laurel Canyon in L.A. and you know, some Leon Russell influence that be in Tulsa. So it's just more amalgamation. So I, I, I've read like some, like, you know, best Southern rock kind of like uh, articles, whatever, and they get put in there. Um, but, you know, they're besides geographically, I think they're a little bit more of a bigger amal- amalgamation than Southern rock, which you guys think. Well, uh, let me take this. I can get on the soapbox here for a second. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, if people listening can tell from my accent, I'm, I'm from the South. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ian, I sent you that article. The Long Island accent was the most hated accent in America. I know. And you'd love to tell me that, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, but um, your Long Island accent's not bad, though. Like, no, it's, it, very, it's really not. Yeah. It's really not. Um, I don't really consider them that much of a Southern rock band, to be honest with you. If you listen to interviews, Chris says he's not proud to be from Atlanta, except for that it, he calls it the Black Mecca. Right. And he said that's the only thing he likes about it. Um, and Southern Rock, I mean, it's very, I mean, R.E.M.'s a great Southern Rock man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you if you want to think about Shinedown is a Southern Rock band, you know, people just try to say, well, if you're from the South, it's a Southern Rock band. In my head, Southern Rock not nece- is not necessarily just bands from the South. It's kind of a, a sound and kind of mm-hmm. a vibe. 
but they, I think, are their own monster. And, and I think Gorman kind of alludes to it in this book. Had they played their cards right, th- they appeal to the fish, widespread panic crowd. Yep. They appear uh, appeal to the Rolling Stones crowd. They appeal to some extent to the hard rock crowd, the ACDC. Yeah, the Guns and Roses crowd. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And if, if they could have just found the right way to blend all of those together on a consistent level and not go from Three Snakes, which Three Snakes is a total drug album. It's, yeah. it's trippy to strip down Rolling Stones type rock on By Your Side. If they could have found a way to mix all of that together and say, all right, you're going to come see us. We're going to play some of the, the classic rock hits. We're going to do some jamming and we're going to play some stuff that's, you know, a little out in left field. They could have been, they could have been doing widespread panic type crowds. You know, like where I come mm-hmm. from, like I went to a widespread panic two nights in a row here. They sold it out 12,000 seats both nights. You know, they sell out wherever they go. Right. And the, and the crows and, and widespread panics never had a hit. Nope, you know, no radio had, airplay. Don't sell no records. radio airplay. So I think they. I mean, they're obviously influenced by by the blues people. They obviously love the Almond Brothers. But if you listen to them, they weren't listening to the Almond Brothers and the Rolling Stones beforehand. It was REM. It was the Stooges. It was Air, early Aerosmith that they listened to. And if you listen to some of those really early Mr. Crow's Gardens um, shows, they sounded more REM and jangly mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. they did. Any of this mm-hmm. stuff, so yeah, I guess technically they are Southern rock band. Um, I think after Southern Harmony, they became their own thing. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't say Amorca Three Snakes is a Southern rock album no. at all. No. Um, it, it's it's half it's you know twenty five percent Grateful Dead, twenty five percent. Amorca has got some country or Americana sounds too, like the Petty, almost like Brian was talking about, like a yeah, Petty-ish yeah. influence almost. Couple yeah, songs. so. When I personally, when I think of the Black Crows, I don't think of them really as a Southern rock band. I, I may be mm-hmm. off on that, but everybody has their own mm-hmm. interpretation of that. But I, I, I mean, Blackberry Smoke, I think of as a Southern rock band. The Black yeah. Crows, at at one point, yes, but they obviously mm-hmm. you know, became their own thing. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, basically. For Southern Rock, to me, the uh, the template for Southern Rock is the Allman Brothers Band. So when deciding if somebody would be a, a, considered a Southern Rock band, I kind of compare them to the Allman Brothers sound. And while while the Black Crows have a, a bit of that, they're just they're they're like David was saying, they're they're kind of an amalgamation of many many different styles, and they're, they're really they're one of those bands that's just kind of like their own entity, you know, which is 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 rare. I mean, there are other bands like that as well. But uh, I, I don't necessarily think I would consider them more blues based than mm-hmm. Southern rock, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was it's not out of the realm of possibility. You go to a Black Crow show and you're standing in line to get a beer, and there's a guy in a Metallica shirt, a guy in an Armour Brothers shirt, and a guy in a Fish shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, or Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. <laughs> Sports. Phil Collins. <laughs> no, Phil. This is a Phil Collins free zone, Ian. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't know the rules. <laughs> hey, okay. hey, real, real and quick. Kid Rock. I'm with you on that one, man. One of my favorite quote, One of my favorite quotes ever about Phil Collins was somebody asked Noel Gallagher, which he, Noel Gallagher's my favorite quote of all time. 
<laughs> something about selling records and, and equaling talent. And he goes, uh, just because you sell a lot of records doesn't mean you're talented. Look at Phil Collins. <laughs> oh, man. There are a lot of Phil Collins fans out there. Listen, I don't judge your musical taste. I'm just not a big Phil Collins guy. Listen, no. not for nothing. He's a fantastic drummer. He, he is, except Live Aid with Led Zeppelin. We oh, my God. <laughs> so wow. we were talking earlier about, like, now, so who – who are our bands that we think that the Crows have really influenced? And I think there's going to be a lot. I mean, so if one of you three wants to uh, put your two cents in on that, love to hear it. I think uh, definitely they've influenced Blackberry Smoke, of course. I mean, we, I know we've mentioned that uh, already, but uh, I, I would definitely see the influence there. I'm trying to think. Um, I, it's hard to say because to, to me, like, I don't hear their sound in anybody no. else. They're like, they're very single. They're almost like Van Halen in a way where it's like, well, nobody else really sounds like that, you know? I think they, def- they definitely influence Blackberry Smoke. Yeah. Um, I think they've had subtle influences on other Southern bands. Um, if you listen to the guys from Shinedown, they're huge Black Crows fans. Um, Is that right? Even, yeah, they even did like a you know an acoustic cover of "She Talks to Angels." Honestly, that's that's really really good. Um, I think they're one of those bands, kind of like the Stones. They influence people because they expose them to music and the style of music, but you're not necessarily going to hear it in their playing. Right. I think it's more so in the vibe. I mean, we can all agree, like those O five O six shows. There was a vibe there that's not never going to be captured again. Mm-hmm. And it's like I told Charlie, I think it was Charlie when we interviewed Charlie Starr, I told him, I went to that show because I had an interview with Caleb from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. They were opening. Mm-hmm. And everybody had always told me you need to get into Blackberry Smoke if you like the Crows. And for whatever reason, it just it didn't click with me. And so I missed like the first five songs of that show interviewing Caleb. And when I went back out, I was like, oh, boy. I mean, this is this is what I've been missing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have, have been in them ever since. But I think their their influence. I think it's more subtle than overt. But and here and here's the reason. A lot of people think the Black Crows are derivative. They they constantly go back to the Faces Rolling Stones comparison. It's why they're never going to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Hell Fame? Hell yes. Yes. But people will say they're a knockoff of the Stones and the Faces. So people will go, "Well, I was influenced by the Stones or the Faces, not the Black Crows." But I think their 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 vibe and everything has rubbed off on a lot of people. Um, musically, I, I don't I don't see as like Ian said I don't see like a direct comparison to a lot of people other than Blackberry Smoke. Um, yeah. I mean, well, you can certainly low look at North Mississippi All Stars. I mean, they obviously jam a lot. Um, their their music their music's obviously blues based for the most part, except for like that third album they did, which was kind of out there. But um, I think it bleeds over into stuff like that. But I don't think it's as overt as like, you know, the Grateful Dead influenced Fish and Widespread Panic and stuff like that. I don't I don't just don't think it's as obvious. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, like a lot of the younger, you know, bands that we've talked to, you know, name them, you know, Magnolia Bayou or Georgia Thunderbolts or Tennessee Champagne or they all mention the Crows. You know, they all mention they all mention the Crows and they all mention Blackberry Smoke. Yeah, you know, so like that might be what you said, like David. There's that subtle, that subtle kind of influence, and there is one band that I will say that I think comes pretty close to them, and I, I think you guys might be familiar with them. But the band Maker from 
over the United mm-hmm. Kingdom. Um, they're, they got one record out called Dead, Dead Ends and Avenues. And then Rich uh, produced some stuff for them. Uh, the They came over to uh, Woodstock and uh, they worked with Rich on some stuff. And then uh, that's kind of the last activity I've heard. But, you know, if you, yeah, I would highly recommend Dead Ends and Avenues by Maker. You know, I mean, even just, you know, like, you know, I've posted before and I'll probably do it again, you know, like uh, Girl Quit Your Crying. Like when, when I first heard that, it was like, like, hey, that sounds just like the Crows or pretty close. So, but uh, besides well, I tell, them, I'll tell you one band, and, and Brian, I know you're a fan of this band that unfortunately things haven't gone right for them that was about to just explode. That I think the Crows influenced a lot was Bishop Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. And their, their, yeah. their, their live show, and, and they would do tasteful covers. Like when I mm-hmm. saw them, they played What Is and What Should Ever Be. Mm-hmm. by zeppelin yeah um they had they had a crow's vibe to them and and i i've heard rumors of what all happened we're not gonna get into that but they i mean how many people can say they'd open for the stones and guns and roses they opened guns and roses too didn't they um no it's the stones it's, it's, sorry. tyler bryant tyler bryant yeah yeah tyler bryant's open for acdc and yeah we, we so when we interviewed tyler bryant we kind of got into that like he is heavy he opened for some heavy hitters now I, I can I think Tyler Bryant was influenced by the Stones. I mean, uh, um, the Crows. Oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, he talks about it. He he talks yeah. about it. He uh, he's uh, a hell of a guitar player. Yeah, like, he you mentions by like, your side a lot. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Going back to an earlier conversation, again, I love Marcus King, so don't think this is trashing him. Tyler Bryant probably would have been a better fit for us. The Crow Flies than Marcus King would have been. He's with the slide playing sure, and everything yeah. else, yeah, and like just everything else. So that would have, you know, that would have been interesting in hell that they they picked him up. So yeah, it was Guns and Roses and ACDC, I think, with Tyler Bryant and Bishop Gunn too, right? and Whiskey Myers open for the Stones. But uh, I'm glad you brought up Bishop Gunn because like I've been talked to a lot of people and we're all like, oh, maybe that's a Christmas wish. And you hear little things like, you know, we had Ben Lewis on the show a couple times and. And, uh, you know, we weren't going to ask him. We ended up asking him, and he just said, that's just kind of a mystery, you know. But it seems like there's a little part of it might be wide open, and I, I've heard some other things that I'm not going to say on here um, pertaining to them. I was going to have Burn Sharp on, and then he kind of went cold on the trail too, so. But, yeah. Man, I, sure, um, so the All right, so they're from <laughs> Natchez, Mississippi, which is like right. 75, 80 miles from where I'm from. I had never heard of them, and they went on tour with Marcus King, and Marcus right. King was playing here, and Marcus King, is, it's so good to see, like, the first time he played here, there's like 50 people. The second time, it's like 200 people. The third time, when I saw him, Bishop Gunn sold out, you know, and Bishop Gunn blew my mind, and then, like, six months later, Government Mule came through, and they opened for him, and everybody that I, I, I told, like, several people, you got to come early and see Bishop Gunn, everyone on brought, you know, bought the CD, mm-hmm. loved them, and... Yeah. I mean, you're opening for the Stones. I mean, that's a huge deal. Right. And, uh, yeah, they were so good live. I don't know if any of y'all ever got to see them live, but, I mean, they put on a heck of a show. Yeah. You know who's never opened for the Stones? Phil Collins. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he has it. He Maybe he has. I don't know. It'll ruin the joke. If you listen to that episode that we did with Ben Lewis, I think it's the sixth episode. Like, he goes into the story of how – they got hooked up with the Stones. It's kind of interesting. Hey, the I'll stone. tell you what. You, you guys are prolific, if anything. Y'all put prolific. out. Y'all put out. Uh, 
Y'all put out a lot of episodes, man. Brian is a machine. It's like, I signed on for this, and I think the first week we had three podcasts. It was um, uh, David Goldfleece from Almond Brothers. I think Tyler Bryan and Sean Pittman or something. It was like insane. Like, it's a hell of a, it's a, hell of a schedule, man. He well, loves, I just he felt like it. new podcasts just got to keep hitting them, you know? I mean, I'm sure sometimes we'll have bigger spaces in between, but every time I think, like, Oh, I'm running out of people to have on. I was well, like these publishers that I talk to, and then they're sending me emails. You want to like, and and you were saying earlier, Ian. Sometimes you you'll get some people that that you wouldn't necessarily have known of or you weren't crazy about before. But it's like, hey, you know, like hopefully that'll come around. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, vice versa. You know, so in hearing about these other artists, I'll say they just kind of keep piling up. You know, and then I get another email. Hey, do you want to talk to this person, that person? You know. And some of these guys, some of these publicists and have a great story themselves, you know, so I'm, I asked them to be on too. So there's more lines have been thrown out that we've got to bite on. But It's crazy. Is that how we got Southern Governor, their publicist, or somebody contacted us? Yeah. Yeah, their publicist. I can't remember name right off the hand, top of my head. But yeah, they, they I just got this direct message from, from their publicist and, you know. Just I, I'm glad we there. did. I'm a fan of those guys. So like I knew nothing about them and Brian's like, Hey, we're going to have this band on. So I checked them out, listened to their CD, watched the video. Um, first things first on, I was like, yeah, it's all right. But then I started listening to it. I'm like, man, this is good as shit. It's like heavy. It's a three piece brothers band. It sounded like a nineties, like hard rock band. And like, I love those guys, man. And they, and I posted too, they did a, a cover version of run Rudolph run for Christmas. I put on Facebook. So, that's really super good. So Man, it is like being the best part about this podcast is other than becoming friends with Brian and talk with people like you all is learning about bands because there's no radio support. There's nothing. And like becoming fans of of different groups, Southern Governor, them Dirty Roses, Magnolia Bayou, uh, the Georgia Thunderbolts, again, another band who I love a lot. Like it's cool as shit. And have people approach us is is a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, and I got to say, like, I think it's just only us and you guys that are like doing this kind of music in a podcast. I mean, there's a ton of blues podcasts. A lot of them just play music, you know, they get the licensing rights or whatever, but there's nobody besides us, us four, like discussing, you know, this kind of music and, you know, the other bands, like I know you guys are, you know, specifically Crows, but talking to other bands that, you know, you have Brit on and you have Charlie on and, and all these other Susan. people. You know, and you know, had Jimmy Asher on and all that. So I, I really, and I search. I mean, I Google all the time. It's like, it's only us that are doing this stuff, and I, I'm really, really proud of that. You know, and proud of you guys. And you know, it just, I feel great to be in part of this community of these bands. Like you said, there's no FM radio, there's not a video right. channel, and these guys, they're doing it out of the joy of their hearts to do that, and just, just to be a part of that. You know, it's so great. And and two, they those guys all all those bands down there, they all support each other. They all go to each other's shows. Mm -hmm. You know, you have one of them on Facebook, you'll see you got the same friends as the guys in the other bands, and they're just really super super supportive and put them on the same family show bills. type vibe and, and camaraderie. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Absolutely. And you're you're totally right about the the lack of radio support. The biggest disappointment to me radio wise was I thought like Serious and it became Sirius XM. I thought that was going to be such a such a better platform for artists yeah. and new music, and it's really not. They play the it's, same it, stuff that Terrestrial plays, like the same songs, but they just have more channels of it. You know exactly. I mean, they have a few channels. You know, there's a there's a couple of channels where I've discovered 
some newer artists. I will say that, but it not like not like what I expected it to be. No, no, it's you a know, missed opportunity. I've really Absolutely. enjoyed your guys' podcast when you have like crew people on. You have Jeff Dunn, you know, sound people, and that's cool. You get that other angle, kind of like you know, not in the absolute inner core of the band of the Black Rose, but just those kind of people, kind of that are close enough. You know, that's that's really cool. I enjoy that. Yeah, Drew Consalvo was. Uh... I mean, he he knocked it out of the park, and then I mean, Jeff Dunn's dad is Duck Dunn, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, the Blues I mean, Brothers. <laughs> I mean, like to me, like one of the greatest, one of the best stories I think we've ever had is Jeff Dunn talking about, and his brother was killed in a car wreck, and he was in high school, and his dad was on tour with Eric Clapton, and so they had the funeral, and he told Jeff, he said, "I'm taking uh, your mother out on tour with me. You know, we're grieving. Do you want to come with us?" And next thing you know, like. Eric Clapton's giving him this really expensive watch. And like, we're doing the podcast. He shows us the watch. And like, yeah. at one point during like a, a, I don't, I think it was during a show, but it was during a sound check. Um, his dad gave him the bass while they were, Clapton was solo. And then he started playing with Clapton. And his dad walked down into the, you know, the floor and looked up at Clapton and Clapton's like, what? And looks over there and, you know, Jeff's playing the bass. And I mean, yeah, and those guys, like, they have a different view of it, you know? And Jeff went into, like, how loud the crows were and talking about, like, mm-hmm. they, were at a, they were at an amphitheater and they had a, a decibel limit. And the decibel guy, he said, came with his little decibel meter and goes, all right, you've got one more decibel. And he goes, I haven't turned the PA on yet. Uh, <laughs> Rich is so loud. So loud. He is. Yeah, but anytime you can get those guys behind the scenes, because, I mean, like, Jeff Dunn doesn't have an agenda. Drew Gonzalo yeah. doesn't have an agenda. They can just tell you how it was. I mean, right. Charity and Mona right. don't. Rob Chloris, yeah. I mean, Rob telling us that he they never rehearsed. He never yeah. rehearsed with the Black Crows. And like, they're <laughs> like, here's 60 songs. Good luck. <laughs> See ya. When the show the tour, tour starts. Now, and you got, like, you guys knock it out of the park. Like, you are the, the top of the line when it comes to the Crows. And I think this generally this music. And you've definitely influenced both myself and Brian, like I was a fan of you guys right from the start when I don't even remember how I saw that podcast, but I started emailing you guys right away and you guys responded, which I appreciate. But, um, you, you, you know, you're probably what Brian and I really aspire to be very professional, very informative, uh, entertaining. You guys, are, you guys are good dudes. And like, I think you just inspire Brian and I to do this. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, we're trying to catch up with you. Trying to catch up with your number of episodes, and we're going to pass you. <laughs> I mean, the, we're going to do the, it one day. At the rate you guys are going, you will, man. It's no, like every 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 time I turn around, I get a notification. I honestly, I honestly appreciate you guys saying that, and that really means a lot to me. Just so you know, because I, in doing this, you often wonder, you know, what do people think of what you're doing, and is it is it resonating with people? And it's it's nice to hear that it it has. So thank you very much for saying that. No, yeah. thanks. I mean, I think if you get one person that appreciates what you do outside of your family, you've you've done a good job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mom likes it, you know. <laughs> hey, my dad's a big fan of our show, Brian. Well, the, so I think know. I think the thing that makes our podcast good and your guys' podcast good is it's not about me and Ian. It's not about you two. It's about the music, right. and you know, I I can talk music all day long. I can sit and. I mean, I, Jason and I can can sit and talk Oasis like yep. we can the Black Crows. Yep. Um, you know, I, it's just talking music and finding somebody that understands, you know, because mm-hmm. like I, I have a couple of music friends that get it. And then I have a couple of the rest of my friends just like, you know, just want to listen to the radio and they're not going like breaking down, you know, solos and 
what does this song mean and what does that song mean? And when you can find that, it's great. And I mean, you guys are obviously filling a niche. We are too. And uh, it's good to support one another. I, I think so. We're almost like those bands we're interviewing. We're all supporting each other and putting each other on the on bills. Although, you know, you don't need our support. We need yours. So we're, we're opening for you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, I don't know if it's that part of the show, but we have a part of the show where I just kind of like throw over to Jason and he's just got just random questions for the guests. I don't know if he's I, prepared or not, but he's on the spot. So, you know, it's funny. This this podcast, which I've been looking forward to more than anything, even though, though we've had some cool guests on because I know both of you guys pretty well and, and you know, we're friendly. It's fun. There's no pressure. So I really didn't prepare because I figured we could just do some crazy stuff. But yeah, um, Brian lets me let's let's me um, improvise a little bit. So one of the things I want to hear about. Um, so we talked about the Crows and, you know, whether or not we think they're Southern Rock Band with Southern Southern Rock Band. But like if you guys had a top three list of Southern Rock bands, who would they be? David, you can go first. <laughs> I mean, you got to in my opinion, you have to start with Leonard Skinner. Okay. Um, they're they're revolu- revolutionary band, three guitar attack. Um, very few people can do that. They had some jam band tendencies. Um, I, I think. Uh, and Brian, if you ever come down, I can take you take you south of me and show you where they where they all where the plane crashed. Uh, as morbid as that is, um, I would have to say my second favorite Southern rock band is Blackberry Smoke. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm doing this with the caveat that I don't really consider the Black Crows a Southern rock right, band. Right. No, that's um, fair. And like Southern rock is a very broad term. You, I mean, if you threw REM in, I wouldn't disagree. I, I would I would have to say. I mean, I know that most people don't consider them Southern rock, but um, REM. Mm-hmm. I, I love REM. Okay. Um, I've seen seen them numerous times. Uh, some of their albums are, are classic. And where they, from a musical standpoint, they don't necessarily sound Southern. A lot of the folklore and stuff they sing about is distinctly Southern. Like Losing sure. My Religion, that's a, that's a Southern colloquialism. Yeah. You know, um, Driver 8, that's, that's the, you know, about stuff from the South. Are you, I, mean, it, eh, I would, I'd take R.E.M. off because I don't really consume them, but Almond Brothers, I mean. Yeah. And what and one of the things that people don't don't I don't think really talk about enough. Yes, they're Southern rock, but man, they're a lot of jazz fusion too, mm. which draws upon New Orleans um, mm. and, and, and things like that. And and obviously the blues. Yeah, I would I would say those three. But Blackberry Smoke is 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 quickly approaching number one. Um, I just think what they're doing is is so good. And they're if you listen to their albums, they're getting more and more mature lyrically as the albums go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last one, you know, compare that to like some of their earlier stuff. It's it's much more, it's less party and more mature lyric. That's what I was gonna say too. It is absolutely less party and more like real, honest to goodness, like life stuff. Yeah. I'd, oh, Ian, I'd probably have to say, um, definitely the Allman Brothers band. Uh, you know, that's like, as I mentioned before, I think they're like the template for what Southern rock is. And in a lot of ways, um, I'd have to throw ZZ Top in there. Yeah. Especially uh, yeah. The, when they first started coming out and playing blues and that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the early, yeah, the early stuff. I don't mean like Afterburner or anything like that. Like but, legs uh, and yeah. 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 Sharp and man. then, uh, you know, Blackberry Smoke. I mean, those are, those would be my top three, like right off the top of my head. 
Yeah. I think Blackberry Smoke. I'm go? a very I'm a latecomer <laughs> yes, too. Yes, Brian. Uh, <laughs> you can go. I'm interviewing. I'm interviewing you three. By the way, yeah. right now, this is my time. So yes, well, Brian, you can go. I think Southern Rock was born when Dwayne Allman was playing those sessions in Muscle Shoals, you know, with Wilson Pickett. Um, however, at the same time, you know, um, you know, Greg Allman once said that, you know, Southern Rock is rock rock because that that term really. I think came from like the music industry, like grunge or whatever. And the Allman Brothers, to me, the original lineup, you had like two blues power trios. I mean, they certainly are there directly. I mean, you have to say, you know, the classic lineup of Skinner, you know. Um, and then some of the ones after that, you know, you throw Marshall Tucker in there and yeah. Outlaws and Charlie Daniels and Blackfoot. And then next for me is Blackberry Smoke after Skinner. And it's the same kind of deal. Like now all these younger bands are kind of like those, you know, older bands that are just kind of like there's a that pantheon space in between Skinner and them. Same with Blackberry Smoke and 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 everyone else. I mean, and just to pick, it would be a tie for the youngest that I hear today. That's the Georgia Thunderbolts and Tennessee Champagne. Yeah. That would just be a could go either way. So that's more of the, I kind of have a top three J generational way of looking at that so no i think that's a good call um for me so you know i i struggle with this question a lot too because really what is southern rock or or what do we consider it so you know blackberry smoke is definitely up there i'm a huge fan of theirs allman brothers band absolutely i think you owe owe, these these bands and stuff that we like owes a lot to skinner and why skinner may not be my favorite band like catalog start to finish like a lot of their stuff but you know, I thought Derek and the Dominoes out there. That's only one album. It's a super group. That is one of my favorite albums all time. And, you know, uh, clapped and loved what Dwayne Allman and that, that style of music was going on. and tried to bring it in. I know it's not Southern Southern, but, you know, I think Layla is like a godfather of all Southern rock songs for a lot of people, too. So I would throw Derek and the Dominoes out there as one of my favorite. Nice yeah. call. Good call. Yeah, man. Good and call. It's completely random, but, you know, I, I consider that. And, like, how many... Southern rock bands or rock bands have tried to play Layla or, or keep on growing like Tedeschi truck bands does right. as well too. And hell, we didn't even mention those guys. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. those guys are one of the top bands out there too. Now Ian mentions easy top, you know, now you got Southern rock and blues. Yeah. You right. know, so it, that's a whole nother thing where you can say, you know, blues is Southern rock, you know, and Southern rock maybe came from blues, you know? Um, so that's also a good segue. I'll ask you three, you know, who do you guys respect as far as the blues players or any blues festivals that you've gone to that kind of relates to all our shows here? Um, I mean, I, I'm a huge North Mississippi All-Stars fan. Um, I think they have, they when they, when they close up shop, they're going to be the last of the Hill Country Blues. Right. And for people that don't understand the difference between the Hill Country Blues and the Delta Blues. Right. Whereas the, the the Delta Blues is well, the Hill Country Blues is more of a rhythm, and it's a it's a rhythmic repetition. And you had guys like R.L. Burns, Junior Kimbrough, um, those guys who Luther and Cody like grew up with. Um, and then you have the, the you know the Delta Blues. So I would say the North North Mississippi All Stars, especially that first album, that's authentic Hill Country Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like uh, Willie Dixon's stuff. Uh, you know, some of those old Willie Dixon recordings. Um, and then, I, 
I mean, I love Clapton's playing so much, and I think the greatest compliment Eric Clapton has ever been paid was B.B. King told him, said one time, when I hear people playing the blues, I don't have to look at them to know if they're white or black. When Eric Clapton plays, I don't, I, I don't know who, I don't know if he's white or black. Um, and I think that is as, as big of a compliment. I think the way Clapton approaches the blues, it's so reverent and and respectful, and he tries to stay true to the. I mean, he's a guy from England. I mean, for Pete's sake, you right, know? right. Um, so yeah, I, 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 Willie Dixon, I like. Um, like I said, Luther Dickinson. I think Luther, Luther Dickinson is on a whole other level from everybody else. Oh, yeah. There's nobody that plays like him, mm-hmm. and, and there's nobody that has the soul that he has. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's my favorite, I guess you would say, blues guitar player. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. Uh, Luther Dickinson and the North Mississippi All-Stars, I mean, fantastic players. I think um, Joe Bonamassa, when he wants, oh, yeah. Yeah. really is a, is a talented player. He's kind of gone into, in, a, in a bit of a different direction more recently. but More rock and not quite as much blues. Yeah, but he has one album called Blues Deluxe, which is fantastic. And I yes, actually was lucky enough to see him because he was opening for Peter Frampton. You could um, afford those. Oh, he was opening. Those tickets are outrageous. Yeah, no, he was opening for Frampton at this place called the Town Hall in in, in uh, New York City. It was like a, huh. it's like the size of a high school auditorium. So know? that was a while ago, then, huh? It was like oh three oh four. Okay, like yeah, yeah, and yeah. He he was great, and uh, I I also I think it's worth mentioning because I always think he's a his his slide playing doesn't get mentioned with a lot of the uh, other more classic slide players, and that's George yeah. Thurgood. Especially yeah. those first couple of George Thurgood records, like the the one that's just self titled and then move it on over. Um, you know, he kind of strayed away from that later on, but uh, he's a fantastic player. So it's over to me now. Jeez. Yes, sir. My favorite all-time blues player, is Stevie Ray Vaughan. There you go. Yes, yes. I, I love, I love Stevie Ray. Like, I think just, you know, there's he was influenced by so many Hall of Famers and stuff, which is fine, and you know, I respect that. But I love Stevie Ray a ton and then probably my favorite modern player right now is um either bonamassa for sure like i think it's a good call on that from you ian um i think just bonamassa really um i'm a huge clapton fan obviously you know i threw out the uh, uh derek and the domino stuff out in southern rock but uh, bonamassa is probably my guy carrying it right now that i'm really kind of into um i think probably more than anybody you know david you mentioned rl burnside and for me he is, you know, and Hill Country Blues as well. Arl Burnside is the man. He is the badass, you know. Um, you know, and then, of course, Luther is in that, very much in that uh, conversation as well. And then it kind of goes more blues rock for me. I mean, someone that Jason and I just talked to recently is Scotty Bratcher. Mm-hmm. who's uh, very, you know, really good. And as far as the old stuff, I really enjoy listening to Little Walter, who is a harp player. Yeah. I don't know, Walter. I mean, have you guys listened to any of Scotty Bratcher stuff? I'll pick up on all that stuff. He's he's from my area of town of, of Ohio. Um, phenomenal player. There's a ton of YouTube stuff out there. He's got a record on Amazon. Like, check him out. He is a good performer. Like, he he's a good guitar player, and he puts on a show while he does it too. Check him out. I'll be checking that out for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, Brian, do I have time for a couple more questions? Real yeah, fast? please. Okay. Um, I got. I at least have two more questions for both of you. So I'm going to start out with a, a good normal one, then we're going to go to a fun one. So, are there any ba- new bands out there right now that you guys have listened to that you should recommend and recommend to our listeners? 
The War on Drugs. You uh, talked up that live I, album. Yeah. It's, it's my album of the year. They are Neil Young meets My Morning Jacket meets Tom Petty meets The Cure. Um, absolutely love them. Um, I don't think this is necessarily a new band, but it's a band called Doves out of England. They're an alternative band uh, that Liam Whiting. Shout out to Liam. Yeah, your listener. Yep. And then uh, I'm sure y'all have talked about Marcus King is as good as they get. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That I think he's, what, 25 now or something? Ridiculous. And I think Warren Haynes is taking him under his wing to help him out. That Again, I was not bashing him earlier on this podcast. I love Marcus King. He just wasn't good for as a crow flies. <laughs> All right, Ian, what about you? Um, well, I think David knows who I'm going to say, even though they're not maybe the, the newest <laughs> band to... Um, but I'm, I'm Van Halen. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is this is group out of England called the Beatles. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, I'm a very big supporter of the Wood Brothers, and uh, I don't think that they necessarily get the attention that they deserve, even though they've been around for you know several years. I, I, their last album uh, is phenomenal, and um, and there's also a band I just just recently heard that i thought was great and i think other people my father actually turned me on to them and they're called uh black pumas black pumas now that's a band i've not heard of they're they're very very new they're very have a very old school kind of soul r&b vibe to them a little bit of blues and they're very very good group i highly recommend that to you you guys especially okay the black pumas where do we find their music um, well, I just, uh, I mean, they, their stuff is available on, uh, you know, vinyl and things of, of that nature, but they also are avail- readily available on, you know, the streaming platforms. That's where I first listened to it on Spotify and things. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Brian? Uh, well, my answer is just look at our Facebook page. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I get turned on a band from our guest and then go to that Facebook page and yeah. that links me to this and this and this and like, that's the answer. So look at look at the page, Seriously. look at the Facebook page. Yeah, How no, I Jason? agree. No, I agree with you, Brian. Like, and I said it earlier on the podcast is like one of the best parts about being on this, other than talking to all of you guys, is learning about these new bands where you really don't find out about them because they're not being played anywhere. But you know, I said Southern Governor, dude, those guys crush it. Like, love them. Um, them Dirty Roses, who we just uh, had a, a guitar guitarist round table with the guitar player from um, that band, Them Dirty Roses, from the Georgia Thunderbolts, another fantastic band, and Magnolia Bayou. And like, I feel like Andrew is my best friend. Like, we've been all chatting and stuff <laughs> through Facebook. But that that is that band is awesome. If you don't know Them Dirty Roses, listen, they are like Guns and Roses mixed with a country band is how I would describe them, right? But they're 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 great. Listen, to, like those those guys, Georgia Thunderbolts, Magnolia Bayou, um, and um, Southern Governor. Like, we interviewed them. I love them. I didn't know about them up until I interviewed them. Like, check them out. That's for sure. All right, my fun question for you all: Give me a band that you wouldn't that you like that we wouldn't expect or think that you would like. Ian, you go first this time. Oh man, put me on the <laughs> spot. Let's see. Let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna just divert to what's behind me real quick. Phil Collins. <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> I do own a couple of Genesis records, but uh, which version of Genesis though? I'm not telling you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I, I uh, you know I have the Lamb lies down on Broadway, which is Gabriel, but I also have Abacab, which I really like. Okay. 
But uh, actually, I, I could say that uh, probably, and I'm a very big fan, I, and I, when I first got into them, I went out and bought all their albums in one shot, and that's uh, Steely Dan, which probably most people that wouldn't think I would be oh, into. I, so musicians love Steely Dan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt the conversation. I've been terrible at this this time. Um, I've got a friend <laughs> who, who legit played drums in L.A. in the 80s with like a lot of bands and was doing the hair metal thing for a while. His favorite band of all time is Steely Dan. Yeah, I just I I think they're great, and it's it doesn't you know it's like kind of the you wouldn't it, you wouldn't think by the other things I listen to that necessarily. That's not embarrassing enough, man. I don't know if I'm going to accept that answer. Right. That's that's I, not very embarrassing. Swing over to David. I'm going to look at my collection here behind <laughs> oh, me and on. see All if right, uh, David. if I can find got? anything worse. Uh, the Cure. I was uh, I was notified by Spotify with their year end thing that I was in the top point zero five percent of Cure listeners in the world. Woo. Well, you did you did go through that giant cure phase this summer. If we, we listened to your podcast called Digital Kill the Radio Star. Who yours truly may have been a guest on the Talk Oasis, another good radio po- or <laughs> podcast. So the Cure. See, I man, is that really embarrassing though, or that bad, or something we wouldn't think you like though? I mean, I'm not, I'm not. That's embar- respectable. I, like, I got into them. I I got into them literally during the quarantine. Yes, you and did. I have nine vinyl records now. <laughs> uh, some of them were very, very expensive and hard to come by. Um, yeah, I, I really let's see. I'm a huge Cure fan. Uh, my morning jacket is one of my favorite bands. That's not embarrassing. Um, that's like that's okay. That's no, all right, embarrassing, embarrassing. All right, I can get you with embarrassing. Um, <laughs> the monkeys. I, <laughs> I really, really like the Warrant Dog Eat Dog record. Um, no kidding. Okay, I, that is I, not a bad I, record. I, I like. No, it's not a bad record. I, I, I really like that. I like. Uh, Skid Row's Subhuman Race. Okay. Um, wow. And it, this is the one y'all are probably just going to stop hit hit you know hit pause on. Uh, Poison's Native Tongue, the Richie Kotzen album. Oh, so Richie Kotzen's a badass. <laughs> Richie Kotzen's awesome though. His solo shit's great. He also played in Mr. Big too. He's good. Well, and good. he just <laughs> released. He has a he has a new song that came out today with Adrian Smith of uh, Iron Maiden. Iron Maidens. Oh shit. Brian, that excited you when you heard the the cots years of boys. Well, you guys are expanding my answers here, so I'll just kind of do it chronologically (laughs) before I get to the embarrassment. I mean, growing up, the Beach Boys and ELO. That's respect, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll get farther away from respect here. (laughs) Um, You know, I was really into all the L.A. metal kind of stuff, too. I had Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich on, on cassette. You know, to me, like start I'd to watch... finish, that's a great album. There's not a bad track on that album. <laughs> <laughs> well, my buddy who listens all the time, he's gonna like laugh because one of the earliest stories of us meeting is me drunk watching Headbangers Ball, going every band played. These guys kick ass. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know who you want to throw on their slaughter, whatever the Bullet Boys. Um, oh, uh, the Bullet Boys, jeez, <laughs> smooth up in you. Yeah, <laughs> hard as a rock. <laughs> yeah. To go well, so there are some better bands in there too. I mean, like Black and Blue, who Tommy Thayer's and Kiss. Now he was mm-hmm. the first couple Black and Blue records before Gene Simmons started producing him. Um, Armored Saint, but that's like a good band. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Right. Band. But I'll go full embarrassment now, and I'll reference the satellite radio at work. Um, there's a song by a band called Wilshire, and it's a married couple, and the song's called Special. 
I've shared it on my actual Facebook page under the guise of like guilty pleasures because the chorus okay. is great. But uh, you know, I, I you know I could pick any song off the satellite radio, and you know, yeah. there's a there's a a, a Miranda Lambert Lambert song that that I kind of like for some reason. Is she the one that was married to, um, what's the space yeah. voice? Yeah. Who's yeah. now married to Gwen Stefani, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, Blake, Blake Shelton. Shelton. Blake, yeah. there you go. She Blake has a Shelton. song, I think it's called My Little Red Wagon or something like that, that I absolutely yeah. love. Well, that's and not it, too bad. Okay. And, uh. and, and, and Ian is kicking me off as being a host of State of the Market. <laughs> no, no, no. We're all being honest here. Like, there's I no am. judgment. Though no, I, 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 Ian, I did judge your, your you got to come back to a new one. I do. No, I, I, I found one just before. I, I, this okay. is definitely one that, cause I know I've, I've taken some, some heat for this before and I don't care. I think this band's great. I have all their records. It's the spin doctors, man. Oh, oh hey. they <laughs> opened for the stones in Minneapolis. I think they're fantastic. And 94, I think they're the voodoo lounge tour. Oh yeah. man. Did they really? Stop I it. didn't know that. That's great. I, I, I wish uh, I didn't ask this question now. I fully regret what I asked. Oh, Jason, come on, man. So my, why I don't like the Spin Doctors, my senior year of high school, 1993, I was driving over to pick up my girlfriend to go somewhere or whatever. And literally in Dayton, Ohio, in Cincinnati, I live between Cincinnati and Dayton. Every channel I had programmed in my car, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong was on at the same time. <laughs> it was a big hit. And I was like, I can't deal with these guys anymore. I hate them. And I made a joke about the Spin Doctors on Twitter, and Michael Desbars actually chastised me. So it was on his stream, and like he gave me an ass whipping. So screw the Spin Doctors. I think, I think they were like on the first Horde tour, weren't they? It was them, Blues Traveler, Fish, and so, yeah. Yeah. Rescue Unit. But about, about five years ago, they put out a record that nobody knows about, and it was, um, I think it's called If the River Was Whiskey. But it's all like, um, really blues influenced stuff. It's unbelievable. You listen to it, and you're like, I cannot believe this is the Spin Doctors. It's real. I mean, I, I I defy you to listen to it and not find something you can enjoy, especially you guys who appreciate blues based things. So come on, Jason, for me, do it. I will try. I will try it. <laughs> I know. I know that won't be on the radio on every channel I go to right now. Too. That's right. There's there's no. It won't be on any no channel you go to. <laughs> All right, guys. You know, David. Well, hold you got on. Some, some. Oh, I'm cutting Jason off. Don't go cut ahead, me Jason. off. Like if I make <laughs> you guys be embarrassed, I'm gonna have to be embarrassed okay. too. So I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you old, and I'm gonna give you new. So my old guilty pleasure embarrassment is. Belinda Carlisle solo career. No, no, do not, do not, do <laughs> not be ashamed of that. Okay, so he, like, she's attractive. Rock. She's attractive, but her solo, her pop music is great. No, it's great. I mean, it really is. She has an amazing voice. I love her stuff. Yeah. So don't you be ashamed of that. Okay. Do I need to choose a, a worse one then? Well, I figured I don't you know were going to say something like the Carpenter. <laughs> no, oh, hey, I got the the Bengals. Oh, the bank, but you know what? Susanna Hoffs. Oh, yeah. But they played all their own instruments and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, OK, well, I'll say Belinda Carlisle in my new band and is really only for their last album. They actually had that's an embarrassing, guilty pleasure is Paramore. So not Ooh. their old punk stuff. They have Ooh. an album that came out a year or two ago, Paramore, called After Laughter. It sounds like an 80s pop album with keyboards and all this stuff. It is catchy. It is weird. I don't like Paramore's other stuff, but I love that album. I listened to it all summer long, um, getting through the pandemic. So after laughter by Paramore. She, uh, 
she she's a Mississippi girl. Is she really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, I just have to point out though, Jason, that the best thing you could come up with to say about the Bengals was they play their own instruments. <laughs> As but, the, <laughs> but they're good. The Bengals are good though. Like, they are. You're like, oh, they play their own instruments. But if it wasn't for Prince, we'd probably never have heard him. He yeah, manic Susanna, Susanna, Susanna Hoffs is like sixty years old, and she looks twenty-five. She looks great. All right, she's, all right. She's so married gonna, to the director of uh, of the um, Austin Powers movies. Yes. So I'm I'm, I'm going to give her a plug here. She okay. does um, some covers albums with Matthew Sweet that are oh, no phenomenal. Kidding. Yes, basically, basically, basically them covering seventies rock stuff. No and shit. I think they do Willing. I think Willing is one of their covers. Yeah, oh. you go. It's like it's like three albums worth of stuff. Like Bell Bottom Blues. I mean, it's really really good stuff. You know who did a great version of Bell Bottom Blues? Tesla. Really? Yeah. yeah. I never heard oh, it. Real, that, sounds, real. that sounds great. Yeah. On Real to Real, their covers album. They did a good version of Thank You by Zeppelin. A good version of Bell Bottom Blues. Man, Tesla is one of my favorite bands. One of Brian's favorite bands. Hudson, I know you like them. Love this. Yeah, I've interviewed Trolley the Kettle on my podcast. Before. Yes, you nice. did. You sent um, me that link. Yeah, well, that's that's. Um, uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, the the Tesla, Tesla is a great band, and they unfairly get roped in as hair metal, and they're most right. certainly not hair right. metal. Yeah, just no, straight up rock. Before we wind up, it's good to end up on a, a, a note of a good band since we we're discussing all the stuff, <laughs> which, you know. So. Um, Listen to After Laughter by Paramore. It is a throwback <laughs> '80s pop album, and it fed into my Belinda Carlisle stuff. I'm not no, no, embarrassed Bri- by it. Brian said a good band, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying you would be surprised. I will listen to the Spin Doctors album. You listen to that for me, and we'll get back and right, notes. Fair enough. Fair I've, enough. I've tried to reach out to Frank Hannon to no no avail yet. But so David and Ian, what do you guys want to plug before we wrap this up? Um, you know, in addition to uh, State of America podcast, I'm also trying to get um, another venture of mine off the ground, and I am my own worst enemy because I uh, have uh, many delays in getting episodes out. But uh, it's called uh, Classic Wax, and uh, where we kind of just break down classic albums, where you know the ones that are definitely classics and the ones that I think should be classics, and I uh, usually have a, a guest each each week, and we kind of go track by track, kind of. Not dissimilar to our under review episodes on State of America. So if uh, anybody would sounds interesting, I'd appreciate you checking it out. It's good. We need more episodes. Thank you. Thank you. I know. Thank you, <laughs> David. Anything else to plug? Um, Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. We've taken about a two or three month hiatus. Uh, we're going to crank it back up here soon. Do our top ten albums of uh, this year and we've got a uh, really cool bruce springsteen episode that we're gonna do and um we'll see state of america you can find it just anywhere just type it in um follow us on twitter though we're we're close to having a thousand followers on twitter well i'd like nice. to hit that before let's christmas get you over the top Thanks. yeah let's do it and let me let me plug you guys a little bit too on, on both ventures i know i've been very complimentary so i'm not doing this because i consider us friends but honest to god like critic but uh, State of America, one of the best music podcasts out there, other than all things blues and Southern rock. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you don't have to be a Black Crows fan. If you're a music fan, listen to it. But really, if you're going to j- jump into a couple things, one, check out the Eddie Harsh tribute. That's just one of the all-time classic podcasts I've ever heard. That's amazing. Or, you know, the Ceaseless Sight album for Rich Robinson. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, both these gentlemen's uh, individual podcasts are really good um, on 
music. Ian, we need more episodes from you, but off to a good start with Van Halen and stuff. David, uh, Digital Code Radio Star is great. I'll throw out two episodes to start out with for you. One, that Def Leppard retrospective you did with your friend who's a DJ was really good. It made me remember how good Def Leppard is, and I went back and listened to a bunch of stuff from him. And there's also an episode about Oasis and talking about the master plan. Big Oasis fan. You had a really good guest on there. I recommend <laughs> that one, too. <laughs> All right. Well, David Hudson and Ian Rice from the State of America, thank you guys so much for being on. It's uh, been a blast. We've been looking forward to this, and we have so much respect for you. And thank you for everything you've done for us, and thank you for being on. And uh, maybe we can do this again sometime in the future. Merry Christmas, guys. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Merry Christmas to everybody. You guys, too. Thank you. Yes, thanks, guys. Well, I absolutely enjoyed that. I've been waiting for that for a long time, and uh, I can't say enough about how awesome that was to, to be a part of that. And it's just a landmark thing, and I'm so glad that we we did that. And, and you know, obviously, I hope we do it again. It just talking to those guys and having us together on one episode of a podcast, I think, is just epic. It's, it's monumental. Uh, like I said on the, on the podcast, I think, like, those guys and us were really the only ones, like – doing a podcast on this kind of music i mean i know they're mostly talk about the black crows i mean we talk about them a lot too um but the guests that they have on certainly fall right into our genre of music and and musicians and bands that we talk about oh for sure and uh, in that podcast um that is that conversation was everything i'd hoped it be I hoped it would be, just use the right grammar, hoped it would be uh, based on unknown those guys. It was, it was a heck of a lot of fun. The time flew. Um, you know, I'm thankful those guys are, are, they're super nice guys, right? We were kind of talk about that, very supporting, great knowledge of music. Brian, to your point of, hey, you know, we talked a lot about the Black Crows. Well, the Black Crows are a reason, again, we kind of got to where they are. The band that they're promoting, the other bands that have been on the show, that have been on the show like Charlie Starr and Returner from Blackberry Smoke, Susan Tedeschi. Um, all are in that this genre of music that we really like too. And not only are they promoting the Crows, they're promoting these bands in the same family. Um, I'm looking forward too to also trying to, you know, maybe get some members or relations to the Black Crows coming on or people that have covered them um, musically or journalistically at the same time going into the new year and kind of what everything that David and Ian are doing with the State of America podcast. And please, listeners, listen to that podcast. It's so good. They're good guys, um, kind of helping you and I evolve this podcast uh, the same way. And I don't know what I just said. That was a bunch of like that was word jello. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> not what, even what word am I trying salad. To get to? That was no, word, it was word jello because it was super wobbly and didn't really right. have its own. Yeah, that's okay though. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> hopefully. Um, so one thing that those guys have influenced too is like to to kind of try and get in touch with people in the business, writers, you know, yep. uh, crew people, promoters and whatnot, fans, you know, we got to, we're just still, you know, going to do that, you know, get some fans on and talk about their experiences and, and the love of music. Um, so I just, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I'm just very grateful to, you know, for that podcast to exist, for us to exist, to, to motivate us to do this. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, I can't say enough. And I, I certainly, you know, appreciate, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, David's the only Southerner out of the four of us. And, you know, True. He's, certainly, 
you know, we're all Yankees. Talk, he's talked to uh, Cody Dickinson from the North Mississippi All Stars, and uh, he's just very, very much more in tune, you know, into that music from down there in Mississippi because he lives in Mississippi. Um, so it's you know we have a lot of fun talking about you know Bishop Gun, and we're still hoping for that Christmas present to show up under the tree of the yeah. Bishop Gun reunion. <laughs> Um, talk about Magnolia Bayou and you know the the Hill Country Blues players. So I certainly certainly appreciate that, you know, and I just appreciate their how we all, you know, the Black Crows changing our lives. And you know, I just I don't know I don't know what else to say. What else can you add, Jason? Well, I can say thanks to those guys for getting going on the show with us and talking to us. They're good dudes. Um, Thanks for having me on some of their podcasts because it gave me a little bit of confidence to do this with you, Brian, that, um, you know, I didn't sound like too big of a dork, just just enough of a dork that I didn't feel too embarrassed to get on and talk weekly with musicians and bands and speak with you. So I'm very happy about that. And, you know, it led to um, my friendship with you. And someday, hopefully, we'll be able to meet in person when we're not locked down everywhere and go to a show. But like meeting you doing the show with you learning a lot about these bands i would never know about if it wasn't for doing the show with you i've really um man there's a, quite a few bands i really really like now that we've spoken to i've learned from you so i really appreciate that and um just man just thanks and uh, merry christmas and happy holidays to you too and all of our listeners i just appreciate to be part of this yeah and i'm very grateful for you uh coming on board to this and i think uh you know, tooting our horn here. I think we work pretty well together and we, uh, yeah. we do a pretty good job. And, you know, uh, just thank you again to the listeners for everything you guys do for us and for people par- participating on the Facebook page. Merry Christmas to all you guys. This is our special Christmas episode. So we are going to play this out with uh, Backdoor Santa by the Black Crows. Woo-hoo. Yep. And so on that note, Merry Christmas and Merry always Christmas. remember. Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 